my name is Jared Hilden. I serve Screfsrud Lutheran Church. I am so impressed with Mike for getting my last name and the church name correct. Like, wow. Most people, if you ask five people at my church what church you go to, you'll get five different pronunciations of Screfsrud Lutheran Church. I also serve Emmanuel Free Lutheran Church as, about, as of July last summer. I serve a second uh, country church. This one is closer to Centerville. Um, my wife is Elise, and we have, five, uh, we have four children, one on the way. So I guess we do have five children. And uh, their names are Winnie, Augie, Peter, and Fiona. And uh, the, the fifth one will be a tiebreaker because we have two boys and two girls. We're excited to meet this baby sometime in June. Um, so good to be with you this evening. I'm glad you come out for these Lenten services. Uh, not, all, not all traditions practice Lent. Some of them wonder, why do we do that? And it's made up. The Catholics made that up. Why do you do that? I just tell them, you know, Mother's Day was made up by the Hallmark companies. But do you practice Mother's Day? Is it, isn't Mother's Day a good opportunity to celebrate your mom? And so I think Lent is a great opportunity to, to celebrate Jesus, his suffering and death for our sins. That's on his part. And on our part during Lent, the focus is on repentance, turning from sin. Oh, that the Lord would make us more and more like him. Let's pray as we begin. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, safely bringing us here this evening. We're going to open your word. We're going to consider your son and his healing work on our behalf. And so, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. We need help from you. I need your help, too. In Christ's name, amen. Well, tonight the focus is on Jesus, the healing Savior. As you probably heard the theme, it's uh, when our eyes are on Jesus, what do we see? So different pastors will focus on different aspects. I'm focusing on the healing of Jesus. And you, we're going to read just one, uh, there we are, one passage to kind of set the tone from Matthew 8, 14 through 17. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Um, you, you would probably guess, and you'd guess correctly, that most of Jesus' miracles were healing miracles. Um, think about that. He didn't just shoot fireballs from his fingers. That's what I would have done. I would just, fireworks, you know. No, Jesus, when he did miracles, most of the time, he healed people. And I think that shows us that he's just, he's not just powerful. He's compassionate. Several times it says he took pity or he had compassion on someone. And so he healed them. Um, 25 out of 36 of the miracles listed in the Gospels were healing Miracles, and that's almost 70%. Um, most of his, uh, we, get the, we get the sense reading the Gospels that most of his healing miracles were not recorded. It's almost like they became so mundane, so commonplace, that there had to be really something special about the healing. Like maybe it was a Gentile, maybe it was a woman, maybe it was someone who was dead, you know, or maybe it was someone blind from birth. It couldn't be just a run-of-the-mill, you know, you had a fever, except for what I just read, but that was Peter's mom, right? So that's why it was noted. Um, check out this summary statement 
from Mark. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. And that's a, a summary statement of the kind of thing he did wherever he went. If he came to your town, he'd teach about the kingdom of God, he'd cast out demons, and he would heal people. That's just what he did. Healing was a very key part of how Jesus brought light to people who were dwelling in darkness and in the shadow of death. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to focus on these three points about Jesus, the healing Savior. One, the healing of Jesus... The healings of Jesus signal that he is the Christ, God's Son. Two, the healings of Jesus are part of his mission to restore and renew God's fallen creation, like a foretaste and a preview. And if you're trying to write these down, these will come up on the screen again later. Uh, three, the healings of Jesus flow from his death for our sins and from his resurrection from the dead. Okay, first, the healings of Jesus signal that he is the Christ, God's son. Um, the Gospel of John highlights seven signs. He calls them signs of Jesus. They're miracles. And, and of course, he did many more signs than just the seven John records. But I just noticed in preparation that four of those signs were healing. He healed a royal official's son. <clears throat> he healed a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. He healed a man who was blind from birth. And the last sign uh, before his own resurrection is that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. In chapter 20, John tells us the purpose of these... He tells us the purpose of these signs. Um, now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God... And that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so we see here the purpose of these signs is so that we would believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That was not the only purpose, but according to John, that was the main purpose. And by the way, I think this may be part of the reason why miraculous healings are not as common today as they were in the time Jesus was walking on the earth. Because a main, one of the main points Jesus was making by doing miracles was to show people that, hey, the guy doing these miracles is the Son of God. And so you can understand why maybe me, you know, doing a miracle wouldn't, I don't want you guys to think I'm the Son of God, right? So we can see why maybe there aren't more miracles today. Now, a qualifier, if you read Acts, the apostles do just as many miracles as Jesus. But I think the same thing applied. I think God was trying to show the people that these are the apostles of Christ. And so I think that's why we see a greater frequency or concentration of miracles in, in the Bible than we do today. Though I don't want to tie God's hands. Certainly God can and does and has done miracles even since the days of the Bible. I'm just letting you know one of the main reasons why I think they don't happen as much today. I have one other passage to support my first point, that the healings of Jesus signal that he is the Christ, God's Son. And that's from this really interesting passage when John the Baptist was in prison. And it seems to me like he began to have some doubts. I'm going to read that passage from Matthew 11, 2 through 6. 
Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. In other words, the healing miracles of Jesus signaled to John the Baptist that, yes, this is the one who is to come. Yes, this is the Messiah that God is sending to deliver his people. And so that's my first point. It's really pretty simple. The healings of Jesus signal that he was the Christ, the Son of God. My second point is not as simple, and I'm going to do my best to explain it, and I ask that you do your best to stay with me. Okay, my second point is that <clears throat> the healings of Jesus are part of his mission to restore and renew God's fallen creation. Right? That's Jesus' mission. He came to restore and renew God's fallen creation. But interestingly, he didn't do this all at once. Right? Instead of healing all the blind people, Jesus gave sight to some of them. Instead of healing all the sick people, he healed some of them. Instead of raising all the dead people, by my count, he raised three of them. So in his first coming, Jesus did this in part. At his second coming, he's going to do this in full. And, and when he came the first time, Jesus was actually giving us a preview and a foretaste of the complete healing and renewal that he will accomplish at his second coming. I kind of think of it like this. Pretend that I'm going to save up money and I'm going to take my family to Disney World. Okay, and when I finally get the money and I get the get the tickets and everything the, the trip is several months away, but I just can't contain my excitement I go home and I tell my family we're going to Disney World and I not only make that announcement But I give I give my kids Disney themed gifts. I give my daughters, you know Elsa and Anna princess dresses I give my son my son likes Kristoff isn't Star Wars owned by Disney? Is that right? Maybe I'll give them lightsabers. And that night we watch a Disney movie, right? And maybe every Friday night after that until our trip to Disney World, we watch a Disney movie. The point of that is that in anticipation of, our, of the big gift, they get these smaller gifts, but they're still real gifts that they really enjoy. I think that's kind of like how Jesus' healings in his first coming were a preview, a first deposit of the complete healing that he will bring about when he comes again. Uh, so remember that message that Jesus sent to John the Baptist when he was in prison? When Jesus sent John that message, I know John would have recognized Jesus' words as coming from the prophet Isaiah. In Matthew 11:5, this is what John heard from Jesus. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. This is taken from Isaiah chapter 35, where it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And I think Jesus took that passage, and he's like, Oh yeah, I've cleansed a lot of lepers. I'm going to add the thing about healing lepers. But this is a passage from Isaiah. 
And, and, and if you read the whole chapter, Isaiah 35, it's a big description of how God will come to Zion and save his people from their enemies. And if you keep reading Isaiah 35, it's actually a description of the blessings of the new age. It's about how God is going to turn this desert wasteland into a paradise, kind of like the Garden of Eden. He will strengthen the weak. He will open the eyes of the blind. The deaf will hear. The mute will sing for joy. The lame man will, will leap like a deer. Isaiah 35 is a classic Old Testament description of heaven, or what, sec, or what Second Peter calls the new heavens and the new earth. It's about what Jesus will do to this world when he comes again, the second time. And so it's so interesting that in Matthew 11, Jesus told John that he has already begun to do this. He has already started to bring the blessings of heaven to earth. Not all at once, but in part. Jesus has only begun to serve us this feast but the best is yet to come. And so whenever we read about the healings of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that should whet our appetites in anticipation for all that Jesus will do when he comes again. I'd like to review. Um, my first point was that the healings of Jesus signal that he is the Christ, God's son. My second point was that the healings of Jesus are part of his mission to restore and renew God's fallen creation, like a foretaste and a preview. My third and final point is that the healings of Jesus flow from his death for our sins and from his resurrection from the dead. Are you guys staying with me this evening? Okay, good, because I need you to really focus on this last point. Okay, to understand this point, we need to know that there is a connection between sin and sickness. There is a connection. I'm not saying that if you get sick, it's because you sinned. I'm saying in general, there is a connection between sin and sickness. They're not separate things. They're related to each other. We see this, for instance, in Psalm 103, 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, what are those benefits? The first two mentioned are these. Who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. They're like two sides of the same coin, forgiving your sins and healing your diseases. So there's a connection between sin and sickness. So let me, guys ask, let me ask you a question. You can shout it out. I'm thinking of the theological, biblical reason. How did sickness get here in the first place? How come? Yeah. I think I heard you guys say it, because of sin. Now, most often we talk about death as being a result of sin, and the Bible teaches that. You can fill in the blank, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But sickness, if you think about it, is just a prelude to death. Sickness, even if, it does, even if that sickness doesn't lead to death, sickness is a reminder that, oh yeah, someday I'm going to die. Sickness is a result of sin. So, so every time we get sick or hurt or disabled, and by the t just for the sake of time, I'm only going to use the word sick or sickness, but I mean every bad thing that might happen to your body. It's, it's all a reminder to us that our bodies are under the curse of the fall, under the power of sin. Therefore, 
Here's where I'm going. Therefore, if Jesus is going to heal us from sickness, what should he do in order to get to the very root of our problem? Not just put a Band-Aid on it. Your mom can do that. Not just give you antibiotics. Your doctor can do that. I mean, what does he need to do in order to completely heal us and get to the root of our problem? He has to deal with our sin. Where and how does Jesus deal with our sin? At the cross, by dying for it. Therefore, his death for our sins is the source of his healing miracles. It's not just by his sheer power that he heals people. It is also and especially by and for the sake of his atonement for our sins. Only his death on the cross gets to the root of our sin problem. I think I can illustrate this with just a couple passages. First, Matthew 9. As I open up my Bible to Matthew 9, the heading says, uh, Jesus heals a paralytic. Okay? In verse 2, says that some people brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. So, wait, why did these friends bring the paralyzed man to Jesus? To be healed of his paralysis, right? So he could walk again. But, but what does Jesus do? <laughs> he, he forgave him his sins. You see, Jesus got to the root of his problem first. He took care of his biggest problem first. And then a few verses later, it says, Jesus said, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he did. And so I think this is a good example of, of the complete holistic healing that Jesus has come to bring us sinners. It illustrates that Jesus has come to save us body and soul, not just soul, but body and soul. My last example is a little bit tricky, and I learned, like, I love being a pastor because I learn things, and I, I, I never learned this before. It's from Matthew. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. It's actually part of what I read at the, before I preached. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out spirits with the word and, and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. The very last thing I just read is actually a quotation from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Mike read it before the service. The ESV translates it a little bit differently. I think ESV, which I have, is he took our griefs and he bore our sorrows. And I was reading D.A. Carson's commentary. says, when Matthew quotes Isaiah and says he took our illnesses and bore our diseases, this is likely Matthew's own translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, and it is a valid translation. If you look at the Hebrew now, those are valid ways to translate those Hebrew words, illnesses and diseases. And what's really interesting is that Matthew said when Jesus healed these people, he fulfilled this passage. But what's really interesting is that the whole Isaiah 53, which was read earlier, is actually mainly about his atonement, his death for our sins. Right? 53 verse 4, Matthew's translation, is he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now look at 53 verse 5, the very next verse. 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. One more time. Look at them both. Verse 4. Christ took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And the point is that Christ will save us from, from all of those things. Christ will save us from both our sicknesses and from our sins. And here's the really profound truth that I learned this week. Christ accomplished both of these things by one and the same work of redemption. Jesus accomplished both of these things by suffering and dying on the cross to forgive us of our sins. It is only as a fruit of his atonement, only as a fruit of the forgiveness of our sins, that Jesus heals people and that Jesus promises to heal our bodies and to raise them up when he returns. It's only because of the cross that we will one day be healed from sickness and raised from death. Of course, we should include here also the resurrection of Jesus as a source for our healings. It's not only his death for our sins, but also his resurrection that is a source for healing. Since Christ has been raised to eternal life, never to die again, so also we who believe in him will be raised when he returns. Philippians says, that he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. That will be the final amen, the final answer to all of our prayers. That will be our ultimate healing. According to Romans chapter 8, that is what all creation is longing for. We hope and we long for Christ to return and to make this whole world new. That's the end of my third and final point. Have you guys stayed with me this evening? I think I kind of threw a lot at you. Was that like drinking from a fire hose? Uh, I hope that you, you have been focused on Jesus, specifically how Jesus is our healing Savior. I pray that that's come through. But I need to ask one more question in closing. How does this change our lives? How does this change our lives? Well, well let me offer this. I hope that we look to God's Son, Jesus Christ, for every saving blessing of body and soul. Not just soul, but also body. Let me give you an example of how we pray. When we pray, we should repent and we should ask God to forgive us our sins every day for the sake of his Son who died for us. That's taking care of our soul. But also... For the sake of his son who died for us, we should pray and ask God to heal our bodies and to deliver us from every sickness and from any other bad thing that might happen to our bodies. We pray this for Jesus' sake and in Jesus' name. And God's answer to that, it's interesting. I, I believe the Bible promises every time you repent and ask for forgiveness, the answer is yes, right then and there. What about every time you ask for healing, for God to heal you from sickness or from something else bad that's happened to your body? Well, I believe God's answer to this prayer might not be instantaneous. It sure might be. 
It's up to God and his wise counsel. But, but, but if you pray for healing in the name of Jesus, God won't tell you no forever. He might just tell you, hold on. Just wait and see what I have in store for you and for all my children and for this whole world on the day when my son returns from heaven. Just wait. And so we wait with hope, with faith, with eager expectation for all that God has in store, for all that God has prepared for those who love him, for those who trust in his son, and who persevere in faith until the end. Friends, I can promise you on the authority of God's word that if you believe in Jesus, he is coming to heal you. He is coming to raise you up and to make all things new. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for these promises from your word. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the great physician, who is our healer. Thank you that, that for the sake of his suffering and death, you forgive us all of our sins. And thank you that for the sake of his suffering and death and resurrection, you promise to heal our bodies and to make us new. Amen.